Digify Africa and Flash Conversations. Welcome to the very first installment of our Digify Pro Unplugged conversations. These um, conversations will be hosting, you know, a variety of different young people um, who are in the digital space and in the digital economy and um, notable at that young people who I think have been doing great things in trying to transform the space and um, open up the space for more young people to participate in it. <clears throat> I am joined by Level who is, if I can, if I do so say myself, is doing quite brilliant work um, in the digital space, whether it's teaching, imparting that knowledge, and also offering a platform to tell the stories, because I think it's one thing to teach, but it's also quite important for us to understand sort of the, uh, the blueprint that inspires some of the work um, that happens, you know, in, in, in the public eye and the end product that we get to see. Welcome, Lebu. Um, how are you doing? And thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm good. You know, I think that lockdown has done a number on us and coronavirus has done a number on us, you know, and it's kind of forced us all to to question what we're doing. Is it really what we want to do? How do we feel about it? You know, I feel like before coronavirus and lockdown happened, we didn't have the luxury to say, how do I actually feel about what, am I, what I'm doing? You know, how does it really make my life a better experience? And I think with COVID and lockdown, we've, we've been able to ask ourselves those questions and actually create more and better and engage more with people, you know, and, and just have a more fulfilling experience overall online and especially for me digitally um, since I've been asking myself those questions. I know it's, it's a long answer, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm the kind of person who usually does that. So please don't like if, if I take I like too long. It. I like it. And I think, I think within that answer as well, you sort of touch on the human aspect, which will be sort of the, the common thread that will be running through this conversation. Because today's conversation is interested in how does one grow in the digital mm-hmm. space? And that can be skills, that can be unlocking digital value, that can be just through the content that you create or branding and positioning. How do people perceive you? And I think that's quite a, an important conversation. And I think for us starting with that conversation, I think it's important because before anything else, you need to know who you are before getting into whatever space that you're going to take up. So I think um, with that being said, my question would be, what were some of the processes that you were thinking of before thinking that um, the digital space was a space that you could grow in and that, that it was going to be a space that you were going to create in? You know, I've always been an entrepreneur. I, I tell people this all the time. I've been an entrepreneur before I even knew it was entrepreneurship, you know, because I come from an entrepreneurial family. And so I saw a lot of people getting things done, you know, having an idea, executing it and seeing if it works or it doesn't. That's the kind of environment that I grew up in, you know. So school holidays for me weren't uh, going on holiday. It was literally like going to work at my dad's puzzle shop or going to his office, you know, he had a lot of things going on. Or my aunt's uh, shop, or my aunt's other businesses, we were always working and learning, you know, and it was fun. Um, so I think just as a person, I've always been in environments where I've been challenged to to create 
you know, to test things, to see if they'll work and not to take it so personally or take it so heavily because there, there weren't that many consequences for me having those ideas because I was still a child, you know? So the, the, the culture, I guess, of experimenting and just being somebody who tries things is deeply ingrained in me because of my childhood. And I'd also like to think because of my personality and the way that I like to try new things. And so for me, I think, Getting into the digital space was almost a natural evolution for me because of the different businesses that I had before I became Nebo Lion online, teaching marketing skills and digital skills. And I think, I mean, if I have to go through all the businesses I've had, we'll be here forever. And I think the most notable, notable business that I had was a tech company, right? I was 24 years old, 24, 23. I can't remember 23 or 24 years old. And me and my cousins decided that we wanted to start something big, right? Cause we're just, we thought the world is our oyster. We can dream as big as we want. So we were like, let's start something big. Let's do a tech company, you know? And somebody we knew had connections to um, a place that was making tablets, right? Obviously, it's not a South African factory. It's from another place in the world. And we thought, okay, let's import these tablets and let's add value to them, right? So we created school learning apps for mathematics and science for children in rural areas and in township schools. And we were trying to sell that to the government and sell it to corporates. And it was at a time when the government was trying to create paperless learning in South Africa. So they were trying to ditch uh, blackboards and paper and they were saying, let's be good to the environment. Let's make learning more futuristic and more forward thinking. So let's put it all online, right? And there were a lot of challenges and issues that we saw were in the system once we got into it. But just being in that space and really seeing the value and the impact of technology, you know, not just on making life easier for all of us, you know, microwaves and that kind of thing, but actually on how people learn and their access to information and mentorship that they have. That was mind blowing for me. I, I thought I knew, but when I really experienced it in those environments, because we had to do pilot programs. So we were in those environments, we were in Venda, we were in a township school in Alexandria, you know, we were tasting these things and meeting these children who were real people. They were weren't just statistics <laughs> and um, once I got into that and I really got to know these children and I really got to know their life experiences it allowed me to see the value of my own skills because I was like before I did this I, I would find myself in corporate spaces or like small businesses and people really didn't value marketing they didn't understand how it's a value add to what they're doing and doing this tablet company helped me to understand the value of my skills because it was because of me that we decided to add value to the original tablet that I said we should actually create apps otherwise what's the point everyone else in the market at the time was just selling the hardware so there were lots of people who had found some money and they were like we're going to sell just tablets to the government so the government will decide what they want to do with it and I said but then we're not going to have a competitive advantage let's make it special let's actually make it valuable not just commercially but also for the people who are going to use it, you know? And so I feel like it taught me the value of my own thinking and my own skills and how it can really make things better. And I always say to people, marketing is what makes things better. Marketing is the process of adding value to things for the end user. And if the end user is not in mind, then the thing cannot be valuable because who are you making it valuable for? You know, it has to be valuable for the person who's using it. And so like for me, yeah, yeah. 
No, I was going to say, I like that you talk about impact because I think that yeah. also becomes very important in setting your agenda and setting those targets about yes. what it is exactly that you're trying to achieve. And I think then that leads me to also to my next question of mm. at what point does that sort of crystallize? Where do you sort of say, okay, now I have, this is the idea that I have, this is the brand that I have. How do you get to that point where you say, these are the targets and this is the kind of impact that I have. What kind of conversations were you having with yourself? Uh, obviously, outside of the experience that you've garnered within the spaces that you've been that have led you to the kind of um, impact led with that you've done. But before that, what were some of those conversations that you were having with yourself about getting into the space? I think I'm one of the worst guests to have when people ask me questions like that. Because to me, everything firstly is based from a story and an experience. And then secondly, I don't believe that there is like one moment that changes everything or makes you see things. I think it's just like a process, a series of events, you know, a chain of events. And then you find yourself in a space. It's not as conscious as you think it is. But I feel that I am faith-led, you know. I literally listen to my intuition. And I nobody tells me. I don't come from environments that are very supportive. And I think that's also something that we need to talk about, the fact that people think that everybody who achieves something comes from a supportive space. And I don't. In every single part of my journey, people have always said to me, you can't do it. This is stupid. You know, uh, who do you think you are? And even to this day, people are still doing that. And so for me, my faith-ledness is literally coming from my instinct. Whatever somebody wants to call it, maybe it's God or whatever the case may be but literally there's just a voice inside of me there's a feeling inside of me and it leads me to my next you know and what I do to honor that feeling is to create it's just to to take risks is to say okay you know what today I feel like I want to start a podcast let me try I don't know if it's gonna work I don't even know who it's going to be for yet but let me try because we can't always identify the right market we can't always identify the right customer and sometimes you have to do it the other way around where you create first and then you iterate and you change once you understand how people use the thing so I don't for me personally there wasn't kind of like a, a plan I wasn't like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that it just kind of unfolded and it unfolded because I'm really passionate about what I do and I let it lead me you talk about support and I think especially for an industry that's quite new still sort of being I guess designed and see what works and what doesn't as a young mm -hmm. person who's sitting at home trying to figure out how do I become a player in the digital economy what would you say are some of those um you know institutions places um people that you think um, young people should sort of try and, and, and start relationships with so that they, they can support because as you say there isn't much available and I can I think maybe from like a, a family because obviously in, in, in Africa I think at large you know if you're not a teacher doctor lawyer we are looking at you like what it is exactly that you're doing, <laughs> how are you going to eat right so yeah. what would you think are those supportive systems that one should sort of associate themselves with in order to start you know, I think the biggest lie we've ever been told is that we need other people to help us start. You know, you really do not. No one can push you to do anything that you're called to do. It has to come from you. And when you listen to that calling, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter which environment you're in. 
you will find yourself gravitating to something that will lead you to something else. And eventually you'll find places in your community that can help you access the next level, you know? And so I know a lot of the time when I speak uh, to platforms like Digify, I know that they've got a wide audience of people from all over the continent. And all of us have really unique experiences. Lebo's experience in vendor is not the same as, you know, Chimamanda's experience in Nigeria. And, and it's also something that I love to talk about how the world has taught us that there's only one African customer. You know, in other words, there's only one kind of African person. And so they haven't given us uh, many faces. They haven't given us personalities. We're all just one thing. And they think that one story can teach all of us everything that we need to know. And so what what I'm trying to do is to strip away that monolithic kind of um, portrayal of Black people and to say, actually, as customers, we're valuable because we're different. There's so many different kinds of us. We, We come from different places. We speak different languages. We interpret things differently. You can't look at us all and paint us with one brush, you know? And so, and that's how I feel about giving advice about how do you get to your next place? I feel like, but I'm level, honestly, I don't know poverty the way that somebody else who's from a less privileged background from, from me knows poverty. And so I could say, oh, but all you need to do is start and it will work. And it's like, but no, this person is in a village where people are sexist and they're a woman and they can't go to school, you know, but they want to go. How do they go? And I, I think for me, then the advice has to be as broad as possible and it has to be uh, as effective as it can be for the differences that we have as African people. And that's why I keep saying you need to listen to yourself because as an African child, nobody's going to tell you that you can do it. And (laughs) honestly, the truth of it is that when you find yourself in rooms, when you've achieved things, you're usually going to be the only African child or the only woman, or whatever it may be, and nobody's going to understand you. So as a Black person, you have to understand that you're going to travel through the world not being understood. And a lot of the time, you're going to find sources of information that aren't really going to be that helpful to you because it wasn't made for you. And so you have to be not only a consumer of things in life, but you also have to be a creator in every space that you're going to be in. You have to understand that you might be one of the people who has to start the blueprint for someone like you. And so for me, the only way you can do that is by listening to that instinct. It's the only way. It's it's that voice that God gives you or whatever it may be that really gives you that the path that you're supposed to follow and you'll feel it. You know, I, I some people will say, oh, but you're so emotional because you say you don't like this or you won't do it. And I'm like, no, that is literally my spirit saying this is wrong for you. You must not do this. Whether it's money, whether it's people, you know, I literally, when I feel a certain way, I'm like, no. I won't do this. I don't care how much it's paying. I don't care who it is. I won't do it, you know? And so for me, that's been my my greatest source of like uh, motivation and empowerment. It hasn't been books. It hasn't been going to centers that teach about whatever. Honestly, guys, it's just been me listening to that inner voice. And also, sorry, I know I'm taking long to answer this question, but every institution has its own agenda. So whenever you read a book, whenever you go to a center, you have to understand that they're only going to teach you what suits their agenda and their KPIs. Do you want to be a victim of their agenda or do you want to empower yourself whilst you're reading through that system and saying, okay, 
of the system. This is what I'll take and this is what I'll leave. But never, ever read a book and just agree with everything or never, ever go to a center and they teach you something and you go, yep, that's correct because Nebu said so. No, they, you can make your own reality. You can make your own truth. Take what people give you and add your own spice and perspective to it. That's what makes it valuable. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, and I think you've mentioned quite a few important things in that answer um, that I think do contribute to what sets you apart. And I think mm. that, 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 I think that, that I want to talk about that authenticity within the space and the importance Ooh. thereof. Because I think <laughs> a lot of the times we are influenced by what's selling, what the system says is, is the go-to um, formula at the moment. Mm-hmm. So everyone sort of flocks into that. So if you're saying influencer marketing is where it's at, everyone suddenly, not that it's a bad thing, but now, mm. Do you understand the science of being an influencer marketing and the implications of that and what kind of contributions you need to make um, for you to become an influencer marketing? Let's talk about the importance of authenticity and staying true to yourself. Because I think you mentioned a lot of how lived experience and nuance sort of leads into a much more diverse digital space and a more diverse understanding of your product. But now when you're sitting at home and you're drawing up a strategy plan, in terms of authenticity, what kind of um, conversations would one need to be sort of visiting for them to have a successful, authentic strategy implementation plan for whatever product that they would sort of be working towards? I think you've asked a very, very, very important question, you know, because you're touching on things like saturation, you know, and uniqueness. And a lot of people, I talk a lot about saturation because I get emails from young creators or young people who say, you know, I want to get into this business, but there's so many people. Is there room for me? You know, and I always say to them, saturation doesn't mean that you can't enter. It's not a no. It just means that there's already infrastructure, there's already a foundation that's been laid in that industry that makes it easy for you to achieve your objectives. It makes it easy for you to sell. So because of that, there'll be a lot of players in the game. And what does that mean? It means that it requires you to create more value. It requires you to be more creative about what you're offering, even if at the base of what you're offering, it's exactly what everybody else is offering. And so you find that in more saturated markets, marketing becomes more important because you have to deliver and communicate things like your unique selling proposition, et cetera, et cetera, you know? And so you have to interrogate your, those marketing, uh, what is it called? The four piece of marketing, I forgot the name, the marketing mix. Yeah. You have to interrogate the marketing mix even more and be more skilled at selling and communicating the more saturated a market it is. But it doesn't mean that there's no room for new players. There's always room for new players. So I want creatives to understand that first. And also you, the point is to start. You don't have to start anything new. You know, you don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg. You can just be, you know, another company that's selling exactly what everybody's selling. And your objective is to make money. And your, your objective is to be a player in the market. You, most people don't start with innovation. They don't start with being new. You know, they just start with existing and creating some kind of reputation for themselves so that they can uh, extend their product line and diversify and do all these other fun things. So that's, that's important. You know, when we're having this conversation, we're not saying you have to be different. You have to be, you know, uh, new. You you can't be like anything else that exists. You can. But what authenticity is, is that value conversation we keep having. Your authenticity communicates your value that's different to somebody else who might be doing practically the same thing as you. 
And so that's why we talk about authenticity. It's not about being different. It's just about being as much of yourself as you can be in everything that you do. So you'll find that, you know, like they, they like millions of finance uh, experts out there, but people will know certain certain finance experts because they're different in their own way, not with the information they're sharing, but how they share the information and it will be unique to that person. That's why, you know, Oprah is still the queen of talk show TV, but there's so many people who've done it after her and before her. You know what I mean? So I think authenticity is all about value. It's about what am I trying to do and how am I going to do it my way? You know, and that's something that I think a lot of people are afraid to do. They're afraid to say, I'm going to do it my way. It's much easier to play within the rules. It's much easier to say, this textbook says this. So I'm going to say exactly what this textbook is, is saying. And that's when you start to become like everybody else. That's when people can say, well, you're copying because you're not, you're not sharing anything that's from you. Everything you're sharing is from a textbook or it's from another book. So you need to add your own spice to everything that you do, whether it's your business, whether it's content, no matter what. What it is the authenticity of it is in adding your own unique perspective to what already exists and that can give uh, room for innovation and growth and all these fun things but never be afraid to be yourself and Seth Gordon always says you know in this noisy climate that we're in it's always very easy and very tempting to make a lot of average products for a lot of average people and that's okay. But if you're not that kind of person, that's okay too. You're allowed to not care that how many followers you have. You're allowed to care about your process more and care about, you know, um, talking about small little things about what you're about and being about that in your community. You're okay. It's okay to be happy with having 40 followers. It's okay not to care how many followers you have. We don't all have to follow what's being done. We don't have to fo- follow the average and the norm. It's okay. I like that. I want us to also maybe touch on collaborating because I think collaboration is quite an important key for growth in the space mm. because you get to work with different perspectives, with different ideas, and you get to sort of mix your own flair with something that's totally different to what you bring to the table. Talk to me about how collaboration in your growth within the digital space has contributed to your success. You know, I've, I've felt so annoyed by this collaboration concept for a very long time. And, and let me tell you why, right? Because, you know, you know, when you're eager, and I think a lot of African entrepreneurs are eager, we're, we're intelligent, we work hard, and we're eager to make things happen. We really want to. So, you know, we'll, we'll arrive to the meeting on time. We will uh, know more than we're supposed to. We really are trying. I really believe in African entrepreneurs. I really believe that we try to do more than we're asked to do, right? And so if you're going to be somebody who's like that, and you go into the real world, really, and you're trying to secure deal and you're trying to do work what you find is that people get very intimidated by somebody who is eager to work and learn and who might have more information than the people sitting in the room because what you find is that the longer people stay in an industry the more complacent they become and so they get very afraid of young talent or fresh talent that's coming and it's eager and it wants to learn and it knows something new you know what I mean and so I went into that space also being eager and whatever and I thought to myself okay Well, from all the things I've listened to and all the books that I've read, they say collaboration is key. You you need to collaborate with people. And I literally took that as a, you need to be polite and nice and try to make friends with everybody you meet in the spaces that you want to be in. 
And that has literally been the biggest waste of my time. I did that in my early 20s. And when I finally realized that it wasn't working, I sat back and I interrogated and I was like, why is this not working? They say that you need to know all these people to succeed. How come it's not working for me, you know? And I realized that it's because collaboration is not about how many people you know. It's not, it's, it's literally about who can you work with who has similar values and principles to you and is trying to achieve something similar or the same kind of objective? Who wants to do what you're trying to do or impact the industry that you're trying to impact? And are they ready to do the work that you're also passionate about or whatever the case might be? There needs to be some kind of synergy, a mutual synergy and a mutual respect. But if you're walking into a room and you just want to know people because they're important, you're actually stripping away the idea that you're saying you're not important enough to also surround yourself with people who can help you further your agenda and who you can help further their agenda. You know, not everyone who's important is important for you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally not like that. You need to align with the right people, then build a relationship with them and then collaborate. So you never also just enter a room and be like, oh, there's whoever. I've got this amazing product. Let me go to them and I'm going to ask them if we can collaborate. You'll probably get a no, you know, because people don't want to work with people that they don't know. So I think especially when you're a young entrepreneur or a young person in the digital space, you are working with people, you're in, interacting with people and you have to learn to form relationships first. And those relationships will inform how you will work with somebody. So don't chase collaboration because I think that collaboration presents itself to you in the process of getting to know people. But if you're just thinking, I want to grow, I want to grow, so let me collaborate, you actually will find yourself, you know, working in circles, going around in circles, and you'll be wasting your time. Respect what you're doing enough to make sure that you really understand who you're about to work with and collaborate with before you collaborate with them. And then from a growing on... And then from a going on social media perspective, obviously, you know, collaboration presents itself in things like getting follows from the right people. I don't know, uh, in participating in online events that people invite you to that kind of collaboration. If you want to be a, a thought leader type brand, it works, you know, because you're getting access to somebody's market who doesn't know you. So their market don't know you. And so it's, it's an opportunity for you to advertise yourself. It's an, it's an opportunity for you to access an audience that might not have heard of you so from that perspective it's great you don't really lose much from participating in somebody's ig live or being interviewed on a podcast but when it comes to business don't be as open as quickly build the relationships first i like i like i like that that continuous answer because i think it answers a lot of things and i think it just also made me realize or at least made me look at collaboration in, in a different way. I like that mm-hmm. you differentiate between networking and collaborating. I think that's a quite mm-hmm. important distinction that one who wants to get into business or into the digital space needs to take note of. Before I let you go, I want to ask then, um, what do you think sets us apart as digital creators and digital natives from our international markets? So that might be the UK or the US. What sets the African digital space apart? Oh, Lord, that's a great question. I love that question. And I think there's, there's a, there's so much we can say in to answer that question. But I think for me, and I think I, I have to say this before I actually answer your question is that I, I am passionate about our continent and I love my country, but I'm really disappointed in how our leaders have, have, have led us 
and the kind of continent they've created and left for us, you know? And I think uh, what the future is asking for and what the technology age and digital age are asking for are young African people who aren't afraid to say, that's not the right way. And this is how I think we should do it. You know, technology allows you to be a leader without being voted into office <laughs> because you get to create product systems, communities that actually change things. And we're looking for the real change, you know. So for me, I think that our advantage as African digital creators, as marketers and entrepreneurs is that we have access to data that nobody else in the world has access to, but they want really badly because we're a heavily populated continent. You know, there's so many little markets that different businesses can, can sell products and can sell services to and make a lot of money from it. That's why Amazon is coming here. That's why Facebook is here. They're not here for fun. They're not here because they just love African people. And they want to eradicate poverty. They're here because there's real commercial opportunities, right? And so I think for us, we have that data as African people, but we don't only have it, we've lived it. And we know how to use that data to actually create valuable products and services. So we shouldn't undermine our lived experiences. In fact, that's our greatest competitive advantage as African people, our lived experiences experiences and understanding the African continent in a way that nobody else can. There isn't, there isn't a lot of data about us. You know, so we're still in that age of, you need to go and ask somebody. We're still in the age of the storytelling, people speaking. That's where the information is. It's not online. And our job is to bring it there. Our job is to create products and services that are going to use the data that we have to outcompete these giants that are on our continent and are trying to, to leapfrog the process of entrepreneurship and understanding our people. Our value is us and understanding ourselves. I like that. I definitely like that. Now for our Digify Pro alumni or the cohort that's going to be starting in March, if they want to be in conversation with you, where can they get you to just maybe, you know, ask um, any sort of advice or um, also just maybe, um, I guess, listen to some of the, the, the work that you do. Where can they find you on? Where can they find you on social media? They can literally find me everywhere online. At Lebulain underscore SA, L-E-B-O-L-I-O-N underscore SA. And you can also listen to my podcast called The Lebulain Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. And you can also watch me on YouTube. Literally, I'm everywhere. If it's online, I'm there. Clubhouse. Let's let's join a room. I'm everywhere online. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Lebo. I think this was such a powerful and a great start for these conversations, as I predicted it would be. I think it's quite an important conversation to talk about the growing elements and how do you sort of nurture that part of your brand, of your product, before you actually set out and implement any sort of um, vision that you have into the world. I want to really thank you for this opportunity and sharing your thoughts and your insights on the business and the digital space in Africa. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Have a good good afternoon. You too.